the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host and former La Jolla Cove sea lion photographer. You see that video that's going around of all those people at the beach who were taking pictures of all the sea lions, and the sea lions had enough, and they started chasing them down. Those things weigh like 80 pounds, and they'll kill you. There's signs all over that beach that say, uh, don't mess with the sea lions. But do we pay attention? No. I mean, people take selfies with them, all kinds of stuff. Uh, anyway, be careful. Be careful out there. It's uh, We shouldn't laugh at that video. I don't think anybody got hurt, but it, it's kind of terrifying. That's a crowded beach, and it's going after you. Anyway, welcome to Southern California Live. Great to be with you today on this fine Thursday afternoon in Southern California. Give me a call today and join the conversation. The number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. You can also email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. SoCal Live at KKLA.com. Well, we've been um, doing, uh, raising, uh, getting some Bibles together for Bible League. Thank you for all of that for a couple of days. And a lot of things happening in the news. And I wanted to ask this question, and maybe you can just chime in with what you think. What is truth? What is it? You know, Pilate asked that of Jesus. It's one of the most interesting conversations, I think, that's in the Bible, that Pilate asked that question. And I throw that out there every once in a while because we live in an era where lots of people want to say that there's not truth or that whatever truths you think you have are just a construct of wherever you came from or whatever dominant power group is out there. And so you can't really understand truth. And there was a very interesting example of that yesterday in a congressional hearing, and I'm going to play a couple of clips because I I want us to understand that. But what I really hope that we do, and speaking for you know, all of us, particularly if you are a believer and we're in a culture that, that wants to ask that question, what's truth, or maybe we don't care, or maybe the whole idea of it just offends us. And I'm not saying I know everything that's true, but I am saying that there is actual objective truth out there. But that statement is contrary to a lot of the philosophy that is guiding our academic world, and now it's becoming very practical in our politics. And I think it's important. I think we're going to have this election year coming up, and it's going to be hostile. It's going to be, it's going to be a rough one, I think. Now, I'm an I'm a American historian, studied a lot with that. There have been lots of hostile elections. And, you know, I, kinda, I want people to feel like, you know, this is not the end of the world. Never feel like, gosh, this is just the end. If it is the end of the world, great, Jesus is coming back. It's all good. But, you know, we've been here before, and there are ways back. And the way back is always with what is true. It's always when we decide to figure out what actually is true, and then we make decisions based on what we have determined to be ontologically true. Objective truth has been under attack for a long time, and the philosophy of this age, spiritually, this is what's going on, this philosophy of this age won't allow for us to really say this. And the reason is this, the academic principle, okay, I'm going to try not to get into the weeds with all of this stuff, but I want us to all understand it because it's in the news right now. It's in the news even when we don't see it. It's going to be all over the place with election stuff. 
the there's something called the postmodern knowledge principle. Basically, it's critical theory. Okay, it rejects the possibility that there that an objective reality is attainable. It's not exactly saying it doesn't exist, but you can't really get there, so you're not going to try. And you know, if you're going to believe in God, then you really are going to have a hard time if you don't believe there's not objective truth. And as soon as you decide there is objective truth, then God is going to come into the picture eventually. And that's where the real offense is, right? The objective truth will always lead you back to God. And that question, if you're looking for truth, is going to lead you to the God of the Bible. Just is? Is murder evil? So many things in that question right there. How would you answer that? Is murder evil? I would answer that question, yes. That's that's how I would answer that question. If you were, I wouldn't have to pause. It wouldn't take me long to figure that out. But there's a lot of problems with that that statement right there in today's uh, mindset. It's a moral legal statement. Murder. I mean, what's that? Well, you made a moral judgment. You made a legal statement. What is it? Evil. There's only evil if there's some kind of higher power. If there's no higher power, then evil is only how we've constructed it. And evil is determined by whoever has the power. However, you construct that. And there's no such thing as evil. And if you just change the power structures, then evil might change. And then maybe murder isn't illegal or wrong or moral. See, that's that's kind of the problem. Have you ever wondered why some of the same people who call themselves champions of women's rights in our country are silent or at least less passionate about abuses towards women in other parts of the world? People have you know, asked about that all the time, and they don't have a very good answer. Why is it that the same people who defend the rights of LGBTQ plus whatever the letters are, people in our country, say almost nothing about other cultures who murder gay people just for being gay. You know, these woke corporations who um, make all these statements are in countries often that just murder you for that. Why do we not speak out about that? Why as a nation, and I've asked this a lot, do we not really speak out about human rights violations? We sort of tip our hat to it. But, you know, there's a lot of that going on in China. We mentioned that yesterday with the Uyghurs and uh, in China, lots of other countries. We used to always make that an issue. It was it was built in every trade agreement. It was built into every negotiation. Why don't we do that? Why do we continue to fund programs for the homeless that the evidence says doesn't work? Why do we think equality in education requires us to uh, equate fact and knowledge with emotion, even if they contradict? See, and why are we asking what a woman is? Why is that even a question? I, ten years ago, would we have even asked that question? Now, ten years ago, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, that was being asked in academic world. You know, I remember that from from college, and you just thought those were the kooky professors, and you complained about tenure and how does that person get tenure, that kind of thing. But you never thought it would actually come out into the public sphere the way it is. But here we are. So here's why. It's, it's critical theory. It's, not longer, it's no longer an academic discipline. It's having practical effects. So yesterday, you probably heard an exchange between Senator Josh Hawley and UC Berkeley School of Law, Professor Kiara Bridges. And here it is. This is how it went. You said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's, a, it's We can it's recognize a that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is about what? 
So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, <laughs> um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing them. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important because of my us, line of questioning. Because so we can't talk about it. Because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist. I'm is denying that dangerous. trans people exist by asking are you? you if you're talking are you? about women are you? having pregnancies. Do you believe that uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think so. <laughs> so you are denying that trans people like this thing. And that leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you? Absolutely. Or are they also treated like this? Where no, no, no. They're, they're told that to they're at opening up people to oh, violence. We have a good time questioning. in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow. I, I would learn a lot. I've learned you, a lot. I know. This exchange. Absolutely. Extraordinary. All right, so that was everywhere, and there's lots of reasons. Josh Hawley uh, normally isn't considered the friendliest guy in the room, but uh, most people responded that way to him. That's like, wait a minute, she's just um, – where does this sort of arrogance come from? Or all of a sudden we're going to say that you are causing violence because you're asking the question about trying to define women. Where does that come from? And, you know, you might be thinking this is two different people of – you know, just on two different planets having two different conversations. And in a way, that's correct. That is sort of what's happening. And what I, I want to point out this, and there's another clip I'm going to play from this in a minute, so that we understand what is happening. Why all of a sudden, instead of answering his question, did she shift it to say, hey, what you're actually doing is uh, creating violence uh, to trans people. And he's just asking, how would you, you know, is this a woman's right issue abortion? Which is, it's just a, it's a, <laughs> you know, we have somehow gotten into this place where a few weeks ago, nobody knows what a woman is. Now we have the abortion decision. And now the, there's conflict between the reality of things that people want to talk about and the academic uh, fantasy that people have been pushing for a long time. You want to join our conversation? This is Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Now, this kind of conversation happens when we don't believe in truth. When there is no truth, you can't really ask questions about things. And in the whole theory world, and I'm, I'm saying this because I think I, it's one of the things I'm worried about. Uh, as a Christian, okay, as somebody who pastors people, as somebody who believes that the most important thing for us to be concerned about is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the bigger thing. That's much bigger than our election. That's much bigger than who you're going to vote for. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, we might lose a lot of these social arguments because I believe they're anti-God ultimately. If there's no truth, if there's no way, if you just believe there's no way of attaining objectionable truth, uh, you know, objective truth, or objectionable truth. If there's just no way of doing that, objectionable truth, I should write that down. It's true, but I don't really like it. And that's a, that's a position that really, that people actually have, you know, it's okay to have objectionable truth. You've discovered something is true and you don't really like it. Then you got to wrestle with it. That's the way it goes. But then's the breaks. So what I would like to make sure that we as believers do, I think what's happened in our election system the last year or so when we start talking about critical theory, it's primarily critical race theory that we think about. It's much bigger than that. That's what I want you to get out of this, is that critical theory is, is a complicated subject on purpose. 
because if there's no objective truth and everything in your language and everything you say, um, it doesn't have to make sense. In fact, a lot of the writing, I've been reading a lot of stuff on this subject, and it's nonsensical on purpose. And it's an approved way of seeing the world. And I don't want to get in the weeds of all of that. Uh, I'll help you if you want some uh, references to go look at if you like that kind of stuff. I do want on our program to come out of the weeds with some simple ways to help us understand, not just so that we understand what's going on in the news and politics, but so you, when you're having conversation or you're listening to somebody, you, you kind of understand where they're coming from. That's a real important part for us if we're going to make disciples. It isn't that we agree all the time, but it's important that we don't just turn around and attack somebody because it seems like they're not making sense. Are you, are you following me here? See, because in, in this law professor, now she's a law professor, Kiara Bridges, Berkeley law professor. All right. She's educated and she's smart and she's not, you know, some college student who's uh, not sure why she's there. And, you know, uh, she's, she is somebody who is well-educated. And the reason that when she's asked about women, the reason that she will turn this into a subject about uh, trans people is because that's what she's taught in what's called queer theory, okay? And I won't get into all of that, but here's the thing. I'm reading this out of what literally the book says this. As a result, if biology makes an appearance in a queer theoretical scholarship, meaning that kind of discussion, it is usually for one or two purposes, to to make a problem of the way that you know things, because that's what's being challenged, is that the way that you know things is somehow bad and somehow came out of a bad system, so you don't really know what you know, Okay. I know that doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's that's how you get 2 plus 2 equals 5 because you were told 2 plus 2 equals 4, but that is the cultural bias you have towards math. And maybe if you think it's 5, maybe it is. Makes no sense, okay? And then the other way is it says a, that uh, the existence of intersex people or trans people is pointed out only to obfus- obfuscate the facts that an overwhelming proportion of homo sapiens are either male or female – Sexed and the gender expression in humans is overwhelmingly uh, bimodal in nature and strongly strongly correlated with sex. So it's a complicated way of saying that the reason she's bringing this up all of a sudden is to completely not answer the question, what is a woman? Because she completely doesn't want to do it. So the way that you do it, the method to do this, and these are undeniable facts about human beings – is to say your way of thinking is a problem and what you're saying is – creating a violent atmosphere for a group of people. So now all of a sudden you're a really bad person, Senator Hawley, for bringing that up. See, and that's the reason I'm reading that out of a book is because I want you to know that she didn't just come up with that. That's what's being taught. All right. That is the the method of dealing with this kind of thing that is being taught today. And if you're if you're going to defend your faith because you're saying, you know, I'm saying as as a Christian person, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm not saying he is a good way, a good truth, my truth, and a life. I'm saying he's the way, the truth, and the life. See, that's not allowed. You're not allowed to have that opinion. And you're certainly not allowed to take that, whatever your Western opinion is of Jesus, which I'm not exactly sure. There's a lot of Western stuff with Jesus that needs to be discarded, you know, you know, the white Jesus with the blue eyes and the clairol hair. You know, his, his clothes are always clean in those pictures. Have you noticed he's walking around in all the dirt? Everyone else is dirty. But his he's got some Tide or something that he's washing his stuff in. Those kinds of things, yeah, you can discard that stuff. But the message of Christianity is, hey, 
The only way of salvation is to believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins. That's it. And it's the great equalizer. You can translate that in any language. Every culture comes to Jesus the same way. Rich cultures, poor cultures, people of every ethnic background, and we all come to Christ the same way. It's gospel. It's a wonderful thing. It means I don't have to die with my fingers crossed that I know that I'm saved because Jesus died for me and he rose again from the grave proving that he was who he said he was. See, but that whole message I just gave you is completely contrary to critical theory and where it's going. And that's why you have a problem with it. And that's why people don't want to answer questions. And it matters a lot. So in another part of the same uh, congressional hearing, Senator John Cornyn was asking her about uh, her view on whether or not an unborn child, the, the, the hearings are about abortion and their affect the the ruling on Dobbs case the abortion ruling if that's going to how that's going to affect the law okay so that's why these questions are coming up he asks her uh what do you think about the value of an unborn child and i want you to listen carefully to something that she says in here do you think a, a baby that is delivered alive has value yes do you think that a um, a baby that is not yet born has value I believe that a person with a capacity for pregnancy has value. They have intelligence. They have agency. They no, have I'm talking dignity. about the baby. And I'm talking about the person with a capacity for and pregnancy. And you're not answering the question. I'm asking. I'm, you I'm, think answer, that a, I'm answering you, a more interesting you think question that, to you me. You think that the baby that is not yet born, let's say the day before this mother delivers, do you think that baby has value? I think that the person with a capacity for pregnancy has value, and they have the—they should have the ability to control what happens to their lives. Well, and and I just note you refuse to answer the question. Did you notice that when he restates that question and he says you're not answering the question, she says, "I am answering the question that's more interesting to me." That's an incredible tactic to say I'm just not going to answer your question, but I'm going to answer a question I would rather you be asking. And that's how she's going to proceed. And then there's what you have here is a complete lack of trust and authority. I want you to think about if that way of thinking was in the other chair, if they were reversed, if she were the senator, which she very well could be one day. And a witness is trying to give a truthful answer, but she wants to change whatever it is they're saying to fit her. Now, there's some politics in that that people do with with politics, but there is – a a method here at completely obfuscating the truth, at not getting into the truth. And this is the world that we have to live with today. And for all of us as believers in our conversations with each other, this is where the rubber hits the road, right? The rubber hits the road for you and I, not just because we have a radio program and you can call up and you can talk about it. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation, 888-528-2557. I'd love to know what you think is truth. How do you define truth? Give me a call. Let me know, 888-528-2557. For us, these issues really don't matter with what happens in Washington, D.C. We'll have our vote, and we'll discuss those things when we have an election. But we have to interact with people that God placed in our lives and be ambassadors of Christ. And being truthful and being kind and being somebody who really seeks to care about the other person enough to help them see that there really is truth. That takes some time. It takes patience. It takes prayer. And it's something that's very possible. And it's possible for you to do. And one of the ways that 
that this helps you is that you you stay focused on it. I get worried about the critical theory conversation coming up because like we I mentioned it it turns too much into critical race theory and it turns into things that we're throwing in the that some people on the conservative side of this argument might throw into critical theory that has nothing to do with critical theory. All right. Critical race theory, critical theory in general does practical damage, but that doesn't mean that it's not trying to address actual problems. You know, it's not wrong to suggest that we need police reforms. Uh, defund the police, which was the solution, didn't really help anybody. Uh, it just created more harm. But that doesn't mean we don't have to address problems. Uh, some have decided in different parts of the political spectrum that anything that's about race today has to be CRT, and that's wrong. You know, some have tried in uh, in Virginia, for example, to ban books and one school district on Jim Crow that actually were factual. They were real. They, there's nothing about CRT. It has nothing to do with that. So you don't need critical theory to understand that racism exists. You don't need it to believe that it can be systemic. Whether there's racism, Jim Crow, of course it can be. It's okay to ask questions about those things and confront the realities of the past and the present. But it goes off the rails on the left and right when the solution is either more discrimination on the left or on the right. It goes off the rails when the response is to deny historical fact and present-day burdens and disadvantages that people feel. And then you can't talk about it, and then everything gets worse. We need to be able to have conversation and realize that there is truth. And, but number one truth is that Jesus Christ is the way. And when we follow Jesus Christ, when we pay attention to him, it resolves these issues. It actually brings us together uh, in a way that is helpful, in a way that forces us to confront racism or the way we treat people or our, our lack of the way we treat people with the dignity that is necessary for anybody who is created in the image of God, which is all people. See what I'm saying? It's much bigger than critical theory, much bigger than race. It's an entire system that's very political. It is something that is very aggressive, and it can be presented as something positive, but in practice it can have terrible effects when it rejects what is factual, when it rejects what is actual. And it, it matters a lot. i got to take a break, and then I'll take your calls. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. What is truth? You got an answer for me? Give me a call. 888-528-2557. This is the Thursday edition of SoCal Live. We'll be right back. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation. We're talking about what is truth and the idea that truth is obfuscated. And to get technical, it's critical theory. But we've seen this now in congressional hearings, and we're living it in a lot of different ways where truth gets shut down. Uh, or the attempt to find truth. Sometimes it's not even necessarily that the person trying to find truth is even right, but they're being shut down and you can't have discussion. And it affects us all. It affects our our ability to talk about Jesus because we're talking about the faith. That's why it matters. I don't think it hurts the church in the standpoint of, you know, the church is going to struggle or things like that. Uh, Church people might struggle. And that's part of our deal here is that we want to help us get past that because we're going to have conversations. 888-528-2557. Ted in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Scott. Ted, City of the Angels. 
I uh, just wanted to bring up uh, the differences between good and evil. Men and women are capable of it. And when I was in Venice Pop Warner football, my Vietnam veteran coach, a Chicano coach, Vince Garcia, had me take a girl out on the field, take her out of the game physically to prove that she didn't belong there. You mean to hit her hard? You mean to really hit her as if she were another guy? hit her as if she was a guy and, and his response to the other coach was if she wants to play with the men she's got to take it like a man i put her out of the game i did what i was told now uh, a woman has no right to take another life nor does a man have a right to dress up as a woman do sex changes and compete against women in olympics it's just it's evil we know it you know it they all need salvation i need salvation i love you like a brother you take it from here all right hey all right ted uh, Ted, how'd you feel about uh, when you, when you, uh, maybe you already hung up, you still there? Oh, you're on. Uh, you know, I, w- I would be careful about people have a right like in this country, but I think what we're getting at in, in this subject is that when we are told that biolo- biological differences are just a construct, that they just don't exist. Okay. So when a swimmer who is biologically a man uh, wins by so many lengths that he's already in the showers before second place even comes in. Um, that's reality. That, and that's the the thing that is going on here that I think people are waking up to. I think people are waking up to saying, hey, you know, uh, this isn't, this doesn't make any sense. And that actually is, and that, the not making sense, one of the things I want to point out here is the not making sense is actually in this way of thinking, academically speaking, is acceptable. All right. Uh, let me see if I can find it. I read this crazy bunch of essays that don't make any sense. And there is in this book, there is a a paragraph at the beginning that's telling you that they don't make any sense and that it's okay. It says, these works stand at the center of the beginning of the pre-sensing of a disharmonist. I, this whole paragraph doesn't even make any sense. Lots of words I had to go look up. Um, and uh, which can never allow the national history to look at itself narcissistically in the eye, blah, blah, blah. What it means is the authors of the essays in this book are not obliged to make sense. They're not obliged to produce reasoned arguments. They are not obliged to avoid logical contradiction, and they don't have to provide any evidence for their claims. And that is becoming the normal expectation of scholarly research today. That's why our colleges are in trouble. And that's why we don't know how to define what a woman is, an adult, female, human being. See, I just did it. That's pretty quick, right? It's pretty. There's a lot of easy ways to do that. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Alisa from Diamond Bar, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, I had two comments. One was regarding the Berkeley professor. Yeah. When she was saying persons capable of becoming pregnant, she was referring to women, biological women who identify as men who could still be impregnated. So that's that. That's what she was. uh, That's the reason she kept saying that is uh, she didn't want to just say uh, female. You know, she's she's going along the lines of saying that if you are a trans woman, then you're just as much a. Is that right? Or or a trans man? I get confused at which way those things go. A trans man is a woman who identifies as a man. Right. A biological woman um, identifying as a man. So what she wants to say is that she's actually a man and can be pregnant because she's capable of being pregnant. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. uh, when, when, 
my opinion is that when people are um, confused about their gender, it's not the biological element that's been confusion, but something in their emotional upbringing, something in their childhood set them on the wrong track. It could have been a parent, a comment that they didn't look like the traditional gender that they are. And it sets them off on a wrong track. And I would like to just say, I think a more compassionate way to handle that is that they are confused kids. Anytime anybody sins, it's because they're believing a lie. And they were told a lie when they were little, and they just still believe it and don't know how to get out of it. So I think rather than attacking them to say, why do you think the way you do, and do you see where you could be wrong, um, would be a more Christ-like way of setting somebody straight, and so literally I, and figuratively. And I think for, for most of us, Lisa, where this subject is going to come up is not in a an academic sense or even on a radio program, right? The place where the rubber meets the road is when it's somebody you know or it's somebody in your family. And, mm-hmm. how, do you, and how do you have that conversation? Um, well, I think compassionately is one. I think if you start by saying, tell me why you think what you do, even though in the back of your mind you think it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. But if they honestly believe it, that's your starting point to move them to another way of looking at things. But if they've been traumatized as a kid or bullied as a kid or abused as a kid, it's very common that that's, there are stories that they don't want to admit or face, that if we can listen, we can sometimes allow them to come to the conclusion that they want to come to. They just feel that they can't. They can't get out of the way of thinking that they're thinking because it's too traumatic. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that psychological evidence to support that. Yeah, you're on to something. I think that part of the and you're 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 right, really, about this. And thank you for your call, Lisa. The number is eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. What Lisa is suggesting, though, is no longer allowed in the professional world. If you are a therapist, you are not actually allowed to get into what might be the pathology of why somebody is feeling a certain way. We used to call it gender dysphoria, right? Where they're uh, is something wrong? It's we didn't. We said no. Biologically, this is the way it should be. But if you feel differently, or you're having these different things go on, we used to say we need to take a look at that. And I think one of the hardest things there's a book that came out on this years ago, and it was it's a book that I liked because it it wasn't coming at it from a religious standpoint. And I, the reason I liked the book for that is that. When we're talking about truth, it's okay for me if somebody who is not a Christian um, is still looking for truth. You know, I find that is great. Find the truth. I think all truth ultimately is uh, is right, and you probably find your way to the living God when you're looking for truth. There's an old book. It's called Destructive Trends in Mental Health, uh, The Well-Intentioned Path to Harm. Now, this book is, is uh, published in 2005. It's published by a former head of the American Psychological Association, who is a, a very liberal person on the political s- stage, um, but would not consider himself progressive in a 2022 sense, okay? And uh, you know what? That book was just, it's just very powerful in saying that, look, there are lots of things that lead to people to having different things go on in their life, and you have to be able to ask those questions. You have to be able to ask Hey, you know, what's going on? And when you read, you know, famous people's biographies who might be uh, trans or homosexual or stuff, there's very often horrific stories of sexual abuse, like horrific, the worst stuff. In my career as a pastor and counseling people, 
the worst stories I heard were from people who were struggling in these areas who had severe abuse, usually from dad, sometimes from mom. Sometimes it was a teacher or sometimes, you know, somebody who they should have been able to trust and it happened as little kids. And, you know, they don't always agree that that's maybe the reason that they're uh, going one way or the other in things. But you find that there are things to talk about. And I think for us, when we're talking with somebody who's dealing with this, we need to think in the back of our mind what's going on here. You know, today it's a little different. 21% Pew Research says uh, consider themselves uh, uh, LGBTQ+, plus, one of those. And uh, but the studies also say that it's trendy that they you know you might consider yourself one way or the other right now and then tomorrow or next week or next year think of yourself as something different and the trendiness of it is a little bit different because um, maybe you're just trying to fit in maybe there is you know if it's trendy you know what's that about uh, it's about something else and that is how we have to look at at each other, really for all of our struggles. Maybe you know somebody who can't tell the truth all the time. Well, why? Why is it that they feel like, uh, you know, I've known people who are just pathological, who just tell stories about their life that uh, just doesn't really work. 888-528-2557, if you want to join the conversation. Um, let's go to Sunshine in Torrance. Sunshine, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, thank you. Um, I just wanted to make a point that the last lady that called, Mm -hmm. and she was saying that the reason, like, to kids nowadays is their upbringing and stuff. I don't think it's their upbringing, because a long time ago in the 70s, I have a brother that he came out to our family and told that, told us that he was gay and he was brought up in a good family and he would cry to us because he'd say, you know, that he didn't want to be like that. But, you know, he was felt like that he wanted to be with a man. And that was a long time ago. So I don't think it has to do with their upbringing or anything. I think maybe sometimes they're born like that. Okay, okay, Sunshine, I appreciate that. Lots of people agree with you, and then lots of people uh, don't. It's a it's a question that uh, has been debated for a very, very long time. In fact, I know people who are, are gay who some say I was born this way, I've always known. Some say, no, I changed at some point. Some say I've decided. Some say I was always, you know. Um, and, and by the way, regardless of all of this, Jesus dies on the cross. He dies for all people who would put their faith in him. And, you know, we all are born with stuff. We're born with, with you know, what I would call original sin, another controversy with lots of people. But, uh, you know, if you've ever have kids, it doesn't take long before you realize that your child uh, uh, doesn't have to learn how to lie. They, they figure that out pretty quickly. Did you take a cookie? Uh, no, I didn't. And there's crumbs all over there, you know, and you, you heard them do other things. Uh, you know, we're born with the capacity for all kinds of different things. I got to take a break and I'll get back to your calls. This is Scott Furrow, Southern California Live Thursday edition. We'll be right back. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Southern California Live, Scott Furrow with you today. As I am every day from 3 to 5 right here on KKLA 99.5 FM in Los Angeles and surrounding counties. K-Praise 
AM 1210 in San Diego, FM 106.1, Southern California, live, 888-528-2557 is the number. We've been talking about truth and why it's important to have objective truth. And we're living in a time, my friends, when objective truth is being is being uh, attacked as a thing. And you are being told that if you confront somebody on wrong behavior or a wrong worldview – a wrong way of looking at the world, then you are, in fact, not wrong. In fact, you might even be contributing to violence simply because you ask questions or engage in a discussion. We played earlier the clip from the congressional hearing where Senator Hawley was just asking about whether or not the abortion issue is about women, and uh, he was ultimately told that he is creating a transphobic conversation that leads to violence. And that's a way of shutting down that conversation. And one of the things that I'm concerned about is that that is the type of conversation that we might be having with people that we know or love, even our kids today. Because that conversation, that whole discussion is stuff that is taught. It's not something that people just came up with. It's something that's learned. It's taught. That's why I read her answer right out of a book that she's just given the 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 interestingly enough textbook answer to a textbook that tells you there's no answer. Uh, but that's the answer that's being given. And this is going to matter because in real conversation, right, it's one thing to talk about it theoretically. It's one thing to have these kinds of conversations uh, on the radio, conversations with people who agree with us. In real conversation with somebody who might be on the other side, it's gone from a conversation that might say you're wrong and you're wrong, but let's still be friends to you're wrong and you're a bad person, you're being violent to me, and you will be tempted and told that you are supposed to stop that conversation and just let somebody else have their own truth, and that's the compassionate thing to do. And what I would say is it's never compassionate to lead somebody into an untruth, especially when that untruth is away from Jesus. Now, there are things that it's okay if people believe and they disagree and they might be wrong. It doesn't mean it's a salvation issue, but if it is an issue where Jesus isn't the way, then it's a big deal. And we need to have these conversations, and we need to love each other. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. Ingrid from Studio City, welcome to Southern California Live. How you doing, Ingrid? You with me? Oh, hi. Hello. Hi, Scott. How are you? I'm good, Ingrid. Yes. Um, yeah, well, so, so much to talk about it. Uh, but I just want to share something about my son is 14 years old and he's in the public school system in L.A. And uh, yes, um, um, some kids uh, don't have access to the truth. Um, some parents are not honest and they just want to follow a trend. In this case, you know, the transgender trend. And they just feel like, you know, if they they have a friend and has a kid that, you know, is confused and they, you know, just, oh, look, let's this, this encourage this and all that at age 12, 13, for that sake. I mean, they just, you know, try to feed this. And so I had my, my, my son came home with a group of friends and one of these friends was a girl, obviously, but she was identified as a boy and then as an id and whatever. And so I said, the mom reached to me and say, oh, they're spending a lot of time together uh, with all this group of uh, boys and all that. And, I, and so I will ask you, you know, if you don't call her she. And this, I said, look, for me, it's impossible. Um, I won't be able to do that. I'm so sorry, um, because it's a she. Mm-hmm. So uh, so the little girl was confused, confused. So she started coming to how, my house. How old was she? Uh, 13. Okay. And my son just turned 14, and the rest of the boys 
or 13, 14. It was a big group. Um, and so I said, one time I see this girl, and I noticed that she's a girl because she liked the boys. Mm-hmm. She liked the boys physically. And I said, no, wait a minute. This girl is confused, and her mother is confusing her to be something that she's not because her friends or her kids all decided to, well, their parents decided to, you know, follow the trends. So they started giving medications and all this sort of stuff, medical things and procedures and began all this process. Mm. And I told this little girl, and one time she was looking at me, we were talking, and she came to the bathroom and said, I I would like to know how do you do your hair? See, she wanted to be a girl, but she had this pressure at home. And I told her, listen, God made you this way. This is what you are. Whatever you want to do after you're 18, it's fine. I mean, it's your choice. But right now, just enjoy this moment. It's an interesting thing. Thank you for your call, Ingrid, that there's so much social pressure here. That's why it's trendy. The uh, Pew study that just came out a couple of weeks ago said a lot of this right now is trendy. So people might feel one way right now and not that way the next year. And especially with kids, one of the issues is when we're talking about uh, changing your gender and having uh, drugs that go along with that and therapies and even surgeries later on, uh, you're making yourself a medical patient for life for something that maybe you're being pressured to do because of the you know, the TikTok group that you're on on social media. Maybe uh, you're not going to feel the same way next year. We had a kid in our church youth group one time, and he was something different, one of those different letters every one of his four years in, in high school. He just changed all the time. It would have been horrifically tragic for him to make some kind of decision that's not alterable um, one way or the other because he changed his his mind and he struggled with a lot of stuff. His home life was terrible and he was looking to find identity and uh, we worked hard to give him identity in Christ. We, you know, I don't know where he he came out on that. He graduated. He loved the youth group, loved the church, graduated, and he was uh, straight at that point. Um, and I think that we, we were able to communicate that Jesus loved him and that there is truth that way. And, uh, that helped, I hope. And if you happen to be listening, uh, to me out there, uh, let me know how you're doing. You know who you are. And, uh, I won't, I won't name you, uh, right now, but I'd love to know, uh, where are you at? Where do you, where are you at with Jesus now? We've had those conversations before. We can have it again. 888-528-2557. Got a couple of minutes left. Diana in Los Angeles. Welcome to Southern California Live. Diana, are you with me? Oh, hi. Yes, sorry. I heard a beep, and then that was it. I don't know if I got cut off or not. Go ahead. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Okay, so my only opinion on this is that we need to approach every image bearer with the love of Jesus. Mm. And instead of trying to categorize somebody as right or wrong and try to fix them, you know, we're not junior Holy Spirit, and they need a lot of prayer— just like I do, just like you do, just like any other sinner does. And they need people who can speak to them knowing that they matter, knowing that we are for them, knowing that uh, God loved them and died for them and shed blood for their sins. They are God died for their sins and my sins as well. So before we try to, you know, I feel like everybody just kind of goes to their corners of where they feel on this, but we're neglecting to see how Jesus approached it. He loved them first. He touched them regardless of uh, what their sin was. You know, we as human beings, we tend to categorize sin as, you know, I just do this, but you do that. 
and we fail to see that at the end of the day we're all sinners and each one of us needs God's grace, God's mercy. Yeah. And I feel like we, we just try to fix people too much instead of just loving on them. Diana, I think that you're... No one is going to listen to you if you just come out and speak truth. They right. have to know that they're loved. They have to know that you're a safe place. Someone that is for them, that is praying for them, that is fighting for them, without telling them that you are right or wrong. That's right. And whatever your sin might be. Yeah, Diana, thank you for your call. And the scripture that goes along with what she's saying is Philippians chapter 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Now that doesn't say in humility uh, consider other people's truths as equally valid as yours. That's not what it says. But we have to, we have to, with anybody that we're looking at, realize that Jesus died for us too, that we're not going to be saved without Jesus the same way as anybody else. And this is a great verse for people who want to follow Jesus, because this is what he did. It says that right after, but also look to the interest of each one of you should not only look to your own interests, and I think that includes, uh, you know, your, your position on things, but also to the interests of others. It's in the interest of other people to have the truth. But Jesus, who made himself nothing, he took the very nature of a servant, and being made in human likeness, uh, he lowered himself for us. I'm going to take one more call here. Donna Incovina, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Scott. Uh, This is Donna. Um, I think transgenderism, homosexuality, uh, I think the fact is that we live in a fallen world And all of us, to some extent, have something that we are fighting against. I think that they're wrong, but I think we have to hate the sin and not the sinner. So I don't think that we should bring them up saying that it's okay. I mean, we have to somehow make them understand. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen in this world. We come into the world, sometimes we have defects. You know, we always ask, why Why do bad things happen to God-fearing yeah. people? Donna, yeah. I'm going to have to let you go because we're out of time. Comment. But I appreciate your comment. You know, I would say this, and it's another, it's another hard conversation, that one of the issues going on with this particular issue is that it's no longer I, I have these struggles or I have these sins. This is now, it's who I am. So we got to be careful with the the idea of hate the sin and love the sinner when the sinner identifies as the sin. So if you hate the sin, well, you hate me. And that's the response. And it can be with anything. I had a family member one time who was an alcoholic who said, if you don't accept my my drink, you don't accept me. And he considered his identity as an alcoholic, right? Uh, and that was a long time ago. Now that's the thing here. This is also why our identity in Christ matters. My friends, truth matters, and we have to stand up for it, but we have to do it in a loving way, realizing that we're fallen too. But don't be misled. Truth is under attack. I think that requires us to be patient and discerning and to pray, to pray hard that God would let us discern. I'll be back here in just a minute. This is Southern California Live with Hour 2. We're going to talk about NASA and uh, COVID and a few other things going on in the news. I'm Scott Furrow, Southern California Live, Thursday edition. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.